The inbounds pass comes into Jordan. Here's Michael at the foul line. A shot on Elo. Good! The Bulls win it! They win it! Michael Jordan hits it at the foul line. One to 100. Lead pass. Whoa! Pass deflected, stolen by Noah. Noah on the runway. Noah with the right hand and dunk. Counted the foul. I don't believe what I just saw. Here comes Chicago. 17 seconds. 17 seconds from game seven or from championship number six. Jordan open. Chicago with the lead. The Chicago Bulls have won their sixth. NBA Championship. Yo, everybody, welcome back. We are the Three Alphas, a Chicago Bulls podcast. My name is Joe today. Uh, Dan Meehan is one of the Alphas, and the other Alpha is Ross Reed. We are back from a very long hiatus, and we'll go into reasoning about why that is. Uh, but we're back, man. We're like Jordan in the the four or five. We took a, a couple years off to retire, but we're back with you know to build the dynasty up again. And, so we were uh, suspended for gambling. <laughs> no comment. <laughs> hey, look. Um, if you guys have Hulu, there is a uh, a show called BuzzFeed Sports Conspiracies on there. And the first episode is about the Jordan retirement. It is amazing. It's only like 12 minutes long. It's awesome. Watch it. I will definitely do that because I have every streaming service imaginable, especially now with this nice uh, quarantine we're under. Yes. Talks about the Ewing draft, too. That's a sign. Oh, nice. Speaking of, and we're uh, for anybody who's just listening, listening to us for the first time, we're very ADD. We have a structure in place for a show, but we go off on tangents, and sometimes we don't have any fucking... Oh, we also cuss a lot, so we hope that's okay with you. And if it's not, we don't really care. Um, no, I'm just kidding. Um, Why do you hate our viewership? But we'll go off on tangents and, and stuff like that. But, you know, We're kind of a very loose and fluid structure. But for documentaries, The Last Dance, before we get into the Karnaschova news and everything else, The Last Dance, how, like we're about like 10 days away, right? Yep. From that being moved yep. up. Ten this or, is like days, yeah. the Bulls are going to dominate a lot, a lot of the news cycle for the next month or so. And it's fucking awesome. And I can't wait. That's just specifically on the last season, right? On that 97, 98 season? Yep. I believe so. Yeah. So it's going to be like 10 or 12 hours of material from what I was reading. Yeah. That's a pretty, um, that's a pretty interesting team because it's a very different team from, the, uh, from when they won that first 3P title against the Sonics that year. That was like, they were a traveling rock star team that year, but that last season, like they were, they were hanging on by a thread, man. It was, it was rough. I remember that year. I was seven years old. So. <laughs> yeah. Ross, you're, you're old as shit, Ross. And you're going to remember. I'm old as shit. <laughs> I, true story. I saw Jordan's last shot in a Bulls uniform in the United center. The, the game was in Utah, obviously, but um they that's when you can watch the NBA finals in the United Center when the Bulls were on the road and there was like 20,000 people just watching the game on the jumbo screen 
and we all went fucking nuts. And then when the game was over and the Bulls were NBA champions, I was with a buddy and we walked out and we're like, how the fuck are we going to get home? Because like, and it was like back then there were like the projects were still around the United Center. It was not the way it looks today. And, and I called my dad and he was like, just start fucking walking east, man. I'll pick you guys up. It was wild. Just start walking east. Yes, don't walk west. Walk towards the lake. Wait, west on Madison over there is bad? Oh, Oh, God. I feel like I've been lying to my whole life. Do you guys want to get into it? Let's do it. Let's Let's do it. All right, so to circle back real quick, um, I think the last podcast that we all did together was had to have been July or August before the season started. And the reason why we stopped and each of us had different ones, but for me personally, and I think it's always, we want to be transparent, man. As long as, as much as we can, we want to be honest with you. I work at NBC Sports Chicago and the way the bulls were circling the drain, I, I couldn't talk about things I wanted to talk about. And if I'm if I'm doing a show and we're, we're going to have a group together, we're going to talk. I want to at least be able to state my opinion. And we all knew the state of affairs with the Bulls. And I just didn't think I could go to the places I wanted to. And I also didn't want to put Dan and Ross in a position where they had to carry the show or I had to take a step back completely from the conversation that they wanted to have. It was just a messy situation. And that was it for me. I don't know, Dan, if you want to and Ross, if you want to talk about kind of where you were at with it too, but there was a reason why we didn't do a show for a while. And for me personally, that was my reason. I mean, mine's pretty simple. I went from being an assistant manager at enterprise to I'm now finishing up the Chicago fire Academy. I'm going to be on the uh, fire department for the city of Chicago. So I just went from working 12 hour days and being able to come home to, and like have some spare time to, I was going to school. I'm a, the, the Academy for those who don't know is school. So I was going to school eight hours a day, working out two hours a day for school, and then coming home and having to study for school the next day while getting up at 4 a.m. in the morning every single day. So I had my reasoning as well. It's not an excuse. It's just kind of life got in the way. And when you change from one career in customer service in corporate America to to the public help and public servant – of being a firefighter EMT, you have to go full throttle into it. You can't just dip your toe in the pool and expect to succeed. Yeah. And I, it's funny cause we all kind of, you know, went through some, some things around the same time. I um, transitioned from being a, um, you know, personal trainer um, and, and manager of a, of an upscale facility in Chicago to um, I took a regional, um, uh, general manager role for Orange Theory, and I have seven studios underneath my belt, uh, which keeps me very, very, very busy. Um, and then, of course, I've got a, a a wife and a three-year-old, which also keeps me very, very busy as well. And the, mo- the most adorable three-year-old I've ever seen in my damn life. He's, he definitely is a lot more handsome than his father. No, one of, one of the things, one of the thing, one of the big reasons why we're not doing, we used to do video uh, with three alphas uh, when we first started, and one of the reasons why we stopped was not just because the technology was hard, and sometimes we'd have freezing during the show, but also because Ross is way too good looking for us and makes oh. us look very bad. So, <laughs> um, and That's also, good. how many podcasts out there have a fucking firefighter? 
It's dope. <laughs> <laughs> not almost, not quite yet, but yeah. we're getting there. He's uh, fighting fires by day, and uh, he's jacking me up about the bulls, you know, and educating me about the bulls at night. So, pause. Uh, pause. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that came out really wrong, didn't it? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and the words of Archer, phrasing. <laughs> we're we're glad to be back, though. And uh, we're, we're what a we're time pumped. to come back, man! What a time! So, what, uh, like I said, we're very we're gonna get into Karnashovas, so hang with us. Um, but I re- there's been rumors for a couple months now that Michael Reinsdorf was conducting a search. I know Casey Johnson had a couple articles for uh, NBC Sports Chicago about him doing his due diligence over the All Star break and vetting candidates out. Once that Woj bomb dropped, everything changed. And I know there were a lot of, you know, we were very, um, maybe not pessimistic is the wrong word, but very kind of a wait and see approach. I think uh, us three, uh, what was going to happen because, you know, we didn't know what Michael Reinsdorf was all about, but as the search went on, like we got Jack, I could feel, at least for me personally, I could feel the tide change and my energy just ramped up. I've not, I was very apathetic about the bulls uh, like this year and, and the outlook and it changed immediately. I mean, it was like a lightning rod for me. And that was a big reason, too, why we wanted to pick things back up. Yeah, I, 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 agree, I agree with you. Um, bear with We're a little rusty. So we're, bear, a little rust. <laughs> we're, we're, we're trying to read each other's cues again, and it's not going quite well, as well as we think off top. But um, I'm with you. It's I wasn't quite at apathy so much as just like, you guys ever seen a movie so bad you can't turn it off? Like, you're hate-watching it? Like, I hate this movie but I'm going to keep turning it on and keep just sitting here hating the fact that it's on. So like, as I said, I was coming home and I, as I was studying, I'd have like the bulls on TV waiting for my fiance to come home. And it wasn't like I was paying any attention to them. I would occasionally glance up and, Oh, Zach Levine dropped 35 and they lost by 10 kind of thing. Like, Oh, cool. Zach went and got his and nothing changed. They lost again. And, I, I was still giving them my viewership, and I'm, I was always a Bulls fan. I wasn't quite at apathy. It was more of just frustration and hate-watching. Like, why am I doing this to myself? And it got to the point where, if I wanted to, I had actually written down rules for a Jim Boylan drinking game for every th- time he did something. Like, if he clapped his hands on the sideline, it was a drink. If he called a, a completely ill-advised timeout, you had to finish your beer, take a double shot. Like I, I had physical rules to this game typed out in my phone on the notes app. Like so, it got to and the you, point you were, where you were drunk probably five minutes into the game, right? Oh well, yeah, because Jim Boylan's really good at making me drink. <laughs> <laughs> but that's kind of where I was at. Not quite apathetic. I was trending that way, but it was more just hate watching like so it was like a train wreck or an awful movie you can't just turn away from you just got to kind of finish it out yeah ross i'm gonna kick it to you like for for you like what went through your mind i know we're in a bulls chat too so we kind of know mm-hmm. uh how each other were feeling but for our listeners at you know wherever they're listening from what was going through your mind during a search and when with that woge bomb first dropped and throughout this entire process yeah i, I mean you know, we heard these rumors back in like, you know, I, I think David Kaplan brought it up back in November that they yeah, were. Yeah, he was kind of, first. He was first. Yeah. Was. Yeah. They, credit to David Kaplan. Yeah, Seriously. And Cap's really dialed in on, on, on basketball stuff in, in, in Chicago sports. So, you know, I, I think we all felt that a change was coming. Um, and then we heard the stuff over the All Star break. And then fast forward to this week. And I, I think for me, it was like, 
I, I knew if the Bulls were going to make this change that they were going to get it right. And I found it frustrating the other day when people were just like, well, what the fuck, man? Danny Ferry and, and, and Brian Colangelo. I was like, they're not hiring Danny freaking Ferry. Like, it's that's not going to happen. Like, it, And so that part was frustrating. But I kind of get it, too, because people were just like, oh, here come the same old Bulls nonsense again. They're going to... They're going to screw this up. And then when they finally got it right, it was just like the validation. And, and like, it just, it's been a really good week as a Bulls fan. I, I don't think we've been this excited as a Bulls fan probably since we got Derrick Rose, you know? Yeah. And the thing is, like, and I'm not trying to discount what Rose did for this city or this team or how he brought Bulls basketball back to prominence in our town, but this could be so much more. Because he's the guy constructing this. It's his baby. It's his team. And he's got job security. If there's one thing we know about the Reinsdorfs is they give you job security to show what you got. It's not going to be if he doesn't do this in three seasons, he's out. Mm -hmm. Or at least it shouldn't be because if it is, it's a complete and utter change of pace from what everything else under anything Reinsdorfian in his bed. Like God, how long was Kenny Williams in charge before they made him? Before they forced him upwards? That that decade, right? At least I, I love, I, I love me some Kenny, man. I love me some Kenny. <laughs> of course, gotta stay do. out of White Sox business. <laughs> yeah, you're a Cub fan, dude. Oh, oh sorry, Cub fan. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Kenny oh, got man. a ring. Kenny got a ring, baby. <laughs> it is I, no longer Theo's league, my friend. It is Rick Hahn's league. Scott Pasegnik for for a college league deal will live in infamy. Jet Boyer is here to stay. (laughs) (laughs) Jet Boyer is coming for you. So what do you guys think about the the structure that that Arturis is kind of building right now, right? It seems like he's kind of forming – you talk about the Cubs a little bit. It seems like he's forming that that Theo front office where Theo went out there and he got Jed Hoyer and he got a bunch of smart people uh, involved to kind of, you know, create this – super team front office and it looks like that's what Arturis is doing right he, he went out there and he got JJ Polk um who is a capologist from that the dude's world. smart as shit man yes. you, yeah. you really need to so yeah that's most importantly that's how you know he's good uh, yeah. I didn't mean to cut you off Ross but like no, you're good. sorry a lot sorry, of people not a Saluki. But <laughs> I, I've been checking out like bull, bulls yeah well you know Jeremy Chin though man oh, there. here he comes uh, but a lot of people have a lot of Bulls fans. I've been checking out like Bulls Reddit and like the real GM boards. A lot of Bulls fans have no idea what a modern NBA structure looks like in the front office. And that's not necessarily their fault because for how many 15, 20 years, how the, the Bulls ran a very archaic. It's true. They ran an archaic traditional They ran like office. a family business. It's like a we're, family business. It was a mom and pop shop. Where guys have shared multiple roles, whereas in the modern NBA front office with the, like the Heat and you know the Warriors, your franchises that everybody really respects, they have specialized roles, and a capologist is one of them. Yeah, contracts, uh, you know, uh, salary cap space to free up space. Like the numbers game is huge. And this guy, man, he's got like three degrees. You know, a master's degree. Two. He's got a freaking doctorate. I think he's got bachelor's degrees. Like he's Smart as shit, man. He's been with the Pelicans for 10 years. And yeah, it's, it's why you get excited is because you're seeing specialized roles and it's exactly the route the Bulls should be going. And it sounds like Karnaschovas is kind of blazing that trail finally that we're getting caught up. 
Right, and and to your point, like the car, like what Ross was saying earlier, like you heard, the, you had the first report from Cap back in November that maybe we would finally get our wish that Gar and Pax would kind of be moved aside or fired or whatever the case may have been. We still don't know what's in store for them going forward, but. I think when we heard over the All-Star break in February that they were actively vetting, who did we assume was vetting these people? We assumed it was probably Pax, right? Vetting his new GM to kind of take over media responsibilities and day-to-day duties so he didn't have to handle the brunt of it and he would just kind of sit back in his office and do what he wanted to do. That was not the case at all from what we're finding out. This was Michael Reinsdorf going to Jerry and saying – we're not competitive because we don't do things the way the rest of the NBA does. If we want to fix this and get back to where Bulls basketball is, which I think Michael probably finally took a long look in the mirror and and said to himself, there's six damn banners hanging up in this building. Six of them. And the newest one is 22 years old now. That's not good enough. We need to operate like a true big market team with real aspirations of winning. And he went and got, I think when he, he spearheaded this thing, I think he had a select list of names. I think we, uh, I think it was winger down in OKC. I think was a legitimate possibility. Had they been granted this, the, the, ch- the chance to talk to him. I think the guy up in Toronto Webster was a legitimate possibility. And I think our tourist card show is though. He was probably the, the clubhouse leader from jump. I think that they had a list of three or four names. And unfortunately a lot of them were denied or just outright weren't interested in coming probably for reasons of not thinking that they could truly move Gar packs aside, which we now are seeing is not the case. 100% Dan. And it's why Michael and you heard through KC that Michael didn't panic when Webster was probably going to be blocked from interviewing and Buchanan dropped out and Adam Simon dropped out because he knew he probably had his guy from his shortlist. His, his maybe his number one option or his top option was still on the board. And when that happens, you don't panic. You're like, okay. And then you got Justin Zanuck. I you know you did brought him in for an interview from Utah and I'm sure he had other names lined up too, but I think, yeah, I agree. The shortlist. I still think that Karnaschovas might've been his guy. Like you don't, he started this process we heard publicly during the all-star break, but probably even before that back channel figuring stuff out to the back channels and talking to people and using uh, those around the NBA, especially during the all-star break as a sounding board. Where, where should I go? Who should I be talking to? And I'm sure Karnaschovas name popped up, not just because of his qualifications and his credentials, because Karnaschovas wanted this job, man. He did. If nobody if nobody knows about it, he was on the, the Lithuanian basketball team in the Olympics for 1992 when they faced the Dream Team. He's infamously the one with a camera sitting, you know, sitting down on the, like the sideline on the bench with a camera taking pictures of the Dream Team. Like that's yeah, after he fouled out. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> so that that Bulls brand because Pippen and, and Jordan were at that time that was kind of when the Bulls brand was getting to the heightened, you know, it, it's the heightened era of what it was going to become. I think that Bulls brand kind of was burned into his head and it's, it was alive and well, and he wanted this job, man. You talk to any Denver beat writer, this is the job he wanted because he turned down other opportunities. He, he withdrew from the Bucks job, uh, GM job consideration, I believe. Um, and he wanted it. And that's, 
I, it was almost kind of like a perfect storm and a perfect match. And that's, I think, how it came together so quickly, too. And I'm with you, Dan. I, I, I'm i blown away by Michael Reinsdorf. Absolutely. Yeah, hats off to Michael Reinsdorf because he killed it. Absolutely throttled it. And he didn't use an outside – as far as we know, he didn't use a consulting firm like the Bears did when uh, George McCaskey and Ted Phillips used uh, – with, with Ernie Corsi. Ernie and Corsi. His great, and his great yep. hairpiece. <laughs> I think that thing's alive, man. I, I, I think his hair is alive. <laughs> But uh, as far as we know, my, this was Michael's show, and I'm sure he used packs and you know other people as a resource. But he led the charge. And um, Ross, I want to kick it to you shortly. Sorry, I'm I'm talking quite a bit. Um, but uh, just like Casey's articles and Joe Cowley's articles about, he studied front offices across the league. He was trying to model the Heat organization and that structure. Like he was educating himself he wasn't just going into this blind he was prepared man and you saw it. it was very streamlined and when he closed and he narrowed his search to his guy he closed it without a hiccup negotiations weren't a problem from what we understand money wasn't an issue you're seeing this with the staff he's gonna be you know be able to be built out um in the front office like money is not an object man and i think i truly think michael wanted to get this right and i think it parallels i was talking to dan about this last night i think it parallels somewhat to Rocky words and Rocky disagreed with his dad, Bill, um, who was the owner at the time of the Blackhawks about how he was running things, but he wouldn't say anything because it was his dad, you know? And I know that there are differences between uh, Bill words and Jerry Reinsdorf and how they own the teams, but just from not wanting to step over your dad, you know, who owned the team. And I think that's somewhat with Michael, he was just waiting for a shot. And I don't know, Ross, if you'd agree with that, but it seems like he's gotten his shot now. And this is, I'm going to run my organization now this way. Here's my vision for it. And here's how we're going to execute it. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think it's important to, to kind of point out that Michael Reinsdorf knows zero about how to run a basketball team. And, and I Sorry. say that it's not I, meant to be funny, but just the a, way you led up to it just made him sound like he's the best fool at the keyboard. But like it's so like what he does is it, I I think the smartest thing he did was he's like I don't know how to fucking run a basketball team, so let me study like the best franchises and the best structures, and let me go out there and find a guy that does know how to do it. And I so think it's you saying he's basketball Ted Phillips, basically. <laughs> Ted Phillips. Well, I think Ted Phillips meddles a little bit more than what Michael Reinsdorf would want to do, right? Like, you can get some owners out there. Like, who's the guy in Sacramento? I, I forget that owner's name, but he he doesn't know anything about basketball. He meddles way too much, and that's why their situation is a disaster. And Michael Reinsdorf's like, look. We oh, got the guy the that hired Vlade, Vivek yes. Ranadive. Yes. And so Michael's like, look, I, I, I just want to get basketball back to – you know, back to a winning culture in Chicago again, but I don't want to actually fucking do it. I don't know what I'm doing. Let me stay on the business side of things and let me find some really smart people that can do it for me. And that's what he did. And then Arturis is like, look, I, I'm a smart guy. I know how to build, you know, you know, structures and stuff like that, but I, I'm, I don't know how to, you know, be a capologist, something like that. And now you can see he's starting to formulate his own super team of smart people where, you know, who, can kind of pick up where his deficiencies are a little bit. So, you know, from the top down, it's just, it's good ownership from Michael Reinsdorf's part, part, and then it's good kind of leadership from Arturis's part. And now I'm really curious to see how this all shakes out from 
the general manager that they're going to bring in to all the way down to the head coach. I mean, we, we talk about, you know, maybe Adrian Griffin is a possibility, you know, ex Bulls player uh, to, to be a head and, coach. And, a, and, and an assistant under Thibodeau for four or five years too. Yes, absolutely. Uh, and an assistant under, under Tibbs for a while. So it's going to be really, really interesting to see how this all shakes out. And it, it all seems to be going so fast, right? Like we're getting names, you know, thrown at us, Literally, almost by the hour, it, like it just things are just dropping. It, yeah, it, it blows my mind. Sorry, Dan. It, it, we were talking no, about fine. this. I think it blow, blows our minds that, like Ross said, it's happening this quick. Like you thought, maybe, uh, you know, they were going to take the initiative and they were going to want to move fast. But Woj dropped that bomb on the third or the fourth, so about a week ago, that they were going to start the search. Within four or five days, Karnaschovas was hired. Like, that's how quick this thing moved. And now you got the cap guy. I think we could have a GM by tomorrow or Monday. They're, I believe they're starting interviews today, if I'm not mistaken. Today's Saturday. You might, you might have one by tonight because there's no way Kardashovas took this job. Like, even just look at the two guys who are presumably going to be AGMs. One of probably advanced scouting in uh, the, the, the Nuggets president of basketball's brother. I forget his name off the top of my head. But him Pat, as Pat Connolly. Pat Connolly. Pat Connolly's probably your AGM and advanced scouting director. And then you got J.J. Polk. He's already got two assistant GMs, it sounds like. he needs. A, he's probably going to have a third who's an AGM of an advanced analytics yep. to like get to get his sabermetrician, for lack of a better term, on. Because he, from everything we've said, he's very much in the mold and mindset of John Paxson. He believes in what he sees. Like, he wants to watch footwork and ball handling and jump shot and ball movement. He wants to see the physical act of it. He's very old school in that regard, but he's not stuck there, which is why, as you both pointed out earlier, he's hiring guys to not, I don't want to say mask his deficiencies, but prop up what he doesn't know and to make sure he gets the best people involved. You're going to see probably a third assistant general manager on this team, along with a general manager. That's crazy. At the very go... least, man. At the very least. Yeah. We could, honestly, we could be looking. I don't know. I'm kind of spitballing. We could see four. I would doubt five. But who the hell knows, man, what, what he wants to do. And I think that was a concern for me with Karnaschovas, uh going into the search was a little bit. Was like, was he going to be kind of a one-man band? Like, is he going to take on a lot? And was he going to spearhead a lot of stuff? But the more you learn about him, he likes to delegate. He likes to listen to the room. And that's something he learned from Daryl Morey. Daryl Morey's like operation and why a lot of his GMs have had success is because he pulls the room. He will go around the room and ask your opinion. He delegates and it's very inclusive. And that's what Karnaschovas learned from Houston. And Tim Connolly is credited Karnaschovas with bringing that structure over to Denver. That same type of what do you think? What do you think? And leveraging all the different aspects of his structure and operation to get the best out of the decisions that he, he's going to make. You're going to see that in Chicago. And that's almost what sold me on him. I was like, okay, he's not a one-man operation. He wants to he wants to lead it, but he also wants to listen. And that's a big yeah. aspect, I think, of, of I what think he's when it's to. all said and I think when it's all said and done, you're going to see the Bulls having in terms of just volume of people working in the like upper echelon of their front office, you're going to see one of the bigger front offices in basketball. They're going to have a ton of people. And hopefully it, it turns into a successful foundation where you start to see a lot of guys get promoted, right? Like like the reason why you have four assistant general managers 
is because you want all these guys to have their own role and, and kind of excel in, in their own role. But also some of these guys need to, if you succeed in Chicago, then you can punch your ticket to anywhere else in the NBA. And, and yep. so assistant general, managers, yep, assistant general managers become general managers of the Sacramento Kings or, or anything like that. You know, so a lot of these guys are, are also going to kind of, want to come to Chicago and be a part of the situation because they know that it's a springboard to catapult their careers uh, to another level. Yeah. And it's I, quite insane. And on that topic too, Ross, like I said, for those that are kind of checking us out, we're, we're a little ADD. So if, you know, we hear something that one of us likes to say, or we can, you know, change a topic real quick, we're going to do it. And I want to talk about a little bit about um, the fact that organizations are blocking their candidates from promotions. Like, I, I get not wanting Karnaschovas to bleed the Nuggets dry when he leaves, but isn't it, isn't it an aspect of being a good org, like, you want to see your guys succeed? And I 100%, I hope that if Karnaschovas develops, like Nazi Muhammad, if Nazi Muhammad comes here and he develops up, I want to see Nazi get a chance somewhere else. And it's not happening. It's really not. And that's the frustrating aspect is, like, you want to talk to guys, but, you know, they're being blocked. Even yeah, if that's a, a really weird thing about the NBA I didn't know. Because, like, the NFL, say you're going from quarterback's coach to offensive coordinator. That's not considered a lateral move. That's a promotion. So you're allowed to interview for a promotion. I didn't know in the NBA, if they just don't want you to talk to somebody, they can just be outright like, no. Like, I'm good. Like, mm-hmm. oh, I want to talk to your Midwestern scout for director of scouting. No. You can't have him. So I'm not going to let you talk to him. It's such a bizarre like for a league that's really in terms of most of it out ahead of everything where like players kind of get what they want and get what they deserve and earn everything. That's like one thing, like coaches get screwed in front and admin guys get screwed if they want to get promoted. Like for instance, a name that I think they could look into for just GM is Milt Newton, the former guy from who ran the Minnesota show until Thibodeau got there. If the Bulls called the Bucks to interview him, they could just outright say no. And that's a that's not a lateral move. That's a that's a promotion. That's from AGM to GM under Karnaschovas. Mm-hmm. It's just a really bizarre thing the NBA does for a league that for for the most part is very progressive and out ahead of most other leagues. And to that point too, that that the, the um, you know Mark uh, Mark Spears had that article about. Uh, a couple of assistant GMs being upset about the the bull search process and why there weren't my, more minority candidates being considered, which was a bunch of bullshit. That kind of pissed me off. Be- and I understand, I, like, I think it's an issue for sure, but the NBA is, one, far out and ahead of any other league as far as uh, being progressive because 75% of the uh, assistant GMs are black and they're leveraging players into it. And the other aspect of it on the other side is they're being blocked, you know? So it's frustrating that, upward mobility is being blocked. And I wonder what that conversation is like if, you know, Ross or Dan were my boss and, you know, they're my Pat Riley and I'm Shane Battier and I'm saying, hey, the Bulls are interested in talking to me. Can I, can I, no, you can't. It's like, well, what the fuck? Like, I I don't, I don't understand. Well, especially the heat heat one is just weird because there's nowhere to go. Pat Riley is, he's the guy. He's NBA godfather. Like (laughs) what Pat Riley wants, Pat Riley gets. Yeah, I, I mean, it's it. it I, I think it's ridiculous. I, I think it's something that Adam Silver needs to look at down the line 
um, because you want you want to preach, you know, progression and stuff like that from coaches all the way to assistant general managers and general managers and VPs and, and whatnot. It's, it's how you keep your league healthy. And, you know, you could take this out of basketball. Nobody should be uh, disgruntled or unhappy in their role, in their job. And if you block somebody from, from progress or, or being able to move up, that's exactly what you're going to get. Um, you know, I, I wonder if had this have gone differently if they if the Bulls did uh, uh, were able to to talk to the guy from from Toronto because I think that he was probably uh, at the top of their list. But you know, everything shakes out for a reason. You know, everything happens for a reason. I I think that um, you know at the end of the day, the Bulls still got themselves a good guy, and I think they're still going to be able to build a a good front office structure, uh, even you know you know, regarding the circumstances. So, you know, I'm excited to see it now. You know, I'm curious to see what that looks like for the roster going forward, uh, at least in the immediate future, like yeah, within Ross, the next 12 months. What's your prediction, Ross? I think we're all in agreement that this core might be broken up. Um, if he's going to rebuild, it depends on what his, uh, like what his blueprint is going to, uh, going to be, I don't know what Dan's doing right now. He's like, pointing at, he's pointing a clothes hanger at me and looking through it. I have no idea. Um, uh, but like, is Levine going to be his first, his first, you know, uh, his first move because Zach probably has the most value. And when you look at the, he's on one of the best contracts in the NBA, 100%. And he's not really the player that, Karnaschovas prefers in terms of ball movement and fluidity. Like Zach is very much a ball dominant player. He, I think he had the the 11th highest usage rating mm-hmm. in the NBA. Like he is a, a ball stopper. Yeah. He's good at what he does, but is he a Karnaschovas guy? And I think that's something that needs to be kind of kind of talked about here. To be honest with you. So it's 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 interesting, right? Let's talk about Zach Levine for a second. Is Zach Levine a ball stopper because he's a ball stopper? Or is Zach Levine a ball stopper because he has because, to be a ball stopper? Because the team sucks? Exactly. exactly. Can it be both? Right? Can it be both? It, it, it could be, right? Like, like, like <laughs> you know, I, I don't want to compare Zach Levine to Kobe Bryant, but, you know, Kobe Bryant is – he took a lot of shots because he had to take a lot of shots. Also, Kobe Bryant took a lot of shots because he liked to take a lot of shots. You know, who, who is yeah, Zach Levine? Yeah, there are two mutually exclusive ideas that can't exist within the same player. Right, Exactly. It's like, is, is Zach Levine a ball stopper because on the right-hand side, there's fucking Shaq Harrison standing next to him. It's like, yeah, I'm not going to hey, fucking pass this guy. seven threes in a game, all right? <laughs> Shaq pass- Harrison is here. I'm not passing the ball to Cristiano Felicio. Like, I, you know what I'm saying? Like, I'm going to take this shot instead. Please so pass it to Walt Lemon Jr., though. When you, when, if you're <laughs> Zach Levine and you see Cristiano Felicio with goggles on, what's the thought like, that runs through your head? I'm taking the shot. When did <laughs> I, don't, I don't blame him at all. With three guys all over him. So I, I think, you know, when you talk <laughs> about this, I think when you look at this Bulls core group and you're talking Zach, Lowry, Wendell, Kobe, Kobe. White. Right. Yeah. I think that Arturis is going to want to look at these guys for a solid season before making any decision on what to do going forward. And when I say a solid season, I'm talking like, next Christmas through whenever that season goes through. Because obviously this season is probably done. Whenever they get back to it, hopefully July 1st, the playoffs are going to start right away and the Bulls are just going to be out of it. Um, Unless he sees a deal that completely 
knocks his socks off. And he's like, all right, I got to make this move. I got to make this trade. If somebody... Go ahead, Ross. Sorry. I was going to say, if, I don't know, hypothetically, the Dallas Dallas Mavericks come out and say, look, we think that Zach Levine is a a piece to our core to pair with Prozingas and Luka and and to challenge in 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 the West. Here is a first round draft pick and blah, blah, blah. Then Arturis is like, all right, Zach Levine, you're out or something like that, right? Or here's an unprotected pick. Okay, you're gone. Um, otherwise, I, I think he's going to kind of see this group through with a different head coach to see how these guys play together. Because, you know, one thing is this core has never really played together healthy, and they've never played together with a competent head coach. And I think it's worth at least maybe seeing a little bit of a sample size to see how Lowry, Wendell, Kobe, and Zach all play together with somebody who knows what the fuck they're doing from a coaching standpoint before maybe you're saying, all right, I got to break this up a little bit. I just can't believe you're besmirching the good name of Jim Boylan like that. I, <laughs> I, his nephew will come after you on Twitter. He's coming, all right? <laughs> but I, I, sorry, sorry, Dan. Uh, go ahead, man. I don't mean to cut you off. No, you're good. No, um, Basically, I, I agree almost fully with everything you're saying, Ross. You got to get a good coach in, whether it be Adrian Griffin, Becky Hammond, if you want to get – Fucking uh, Kenny Atkinson off the street, who I'm surprised is still just hanging out on the street. Like, you need another coach that's competent. The only thing I might disagree with you on is Zach is now on year two of that extension, meaning there's two years left. Mm-hmm. What's more valuable, two years at 18 million or one year at 18 million when you got to break him off again at probably close to a max deal, if not a max, mm-hmm. because he can put the ball in the bucket and he's young. Mm-hmm. You can probably – his value at this point with two years left on that deal is probably the highest it's ever going to be if you're going to move on from him. I understand fully Arturis Karnaschovas and the and the new regime wanting to fully evaluate everything on there, but it's easier to do with Wendell and Lowry and Kobe because they're young and cheap. Mm-hmm. Zach is young, but he's not cheap anymore. He's, he's on a great value contract. But do you really want to maybe risk losing a year of value on him when his value is this high and he's got two years of control so you can probably get more for what he's worth? Yep. That, that's that's the kind of catch-22 I think they're going to be in when it comes to Zach Levine himself. It's tough. I mean, look, Zach is still – for Zach's been in the league for a while now. He's still he's only, only 25 years old. Yeah, yeah, he's still only 25 years old. And I think his game is still evolving. At some point, you have to decide as a, as a VP of, of basketball operations – um, when do I stop, you know, who's the talent that I want to keep and when do I stop giving away talent to try and find more talent? And Zach Levine is, is kind of that guy where you look at him is like, okay, do we want to build with Zach Levine, a 25 year old? He's not, a, he's not a one, but he could be a number two. He's definitely maybe a, 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 a he's, he's, I think he's, a, a, he's a high level three low end two at this point. Right. Exactly. Right. Like he's a, you know, he's a two, three on a really good, you know, basketball team, a team that can defend for an NBA title. And, you know, we talk about when you look at the guys that could be coming up in free agency, you still never know if you can hit on any of those guys. But so it's like, do you want to keep the talent that you have in house while you're seeking out other talent or do you want to give it away? You know, we always talk about a guy like, Bradley. Give it away, give it away, give it away now. Yeah, we talk about a guy like Bradley Beal, right? Who's who's one of my guys. I love oh, Bradley that, Beal. That, yeah. that is Ross's man right there. That's my guy. I love Bradley <laughs> Beal. And Bradley Beal is just 
he's just stewing in, in Washington. He is so upset. He doesn't want to be there while he drops like 40, 50, 40 or 50 a night or something like that. But he's it's like traded for the wrong high price wizards with him. But it's like, do you wanna do you wanna bring in a guy like that with Zach, or do you wanna like bring in a guy like that with you know, but trade Zach and get a bunch of first round picks? It's tough. And I think the history has shown you with Arturis, he finds first round picks by trading. He trades like not his top guys, but like kind of inferior guys and finds a way to get first round picks out of it and then hits on a guy like Jokic or Gary Harris or something like that. So I, I think so. that's kind of where I was going to go with Zach because we know his hit. You, we know Arturis's background. He is from Denver. For as of 2013 or 14, right? He has mm-hmm. been in Denver. What if they call you and offer you Gary Harris, their pick, and Michael Porter Jr. for Zach? What's that conversation go like? Because that's someone they could use next to Jamal Murray. Jamal Murray isn't a drop-dead scorer. He's a good player. He's a real good player. Yeah. But he can't do what Zach can do. Right. Dude, I worry about I worry about Michael Porter's health. I, I will always worry about his health. Um, a guy that but, big with the back problems. Yep, yeah, exactly. I, I agree. But the the pick is is enticing. Uh, I mean, you got to listen to it. You know, the thing is, that's it, all I'm saying. Like uh, that, but, that was just a complete hypothetical. I just kind of pulled out of my butt because I knew Gary Harris would match the contract, sure. and he's a decent three and D player who can play off ball. And sure. Michael Porter Jr. has that 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 alluring ceiling, I guess, would be the term I would use for. I, th- I think what you have to do is if, if you're going to put Zach Levine in a trade, you better fleece the other team like so hard where it's like, <laughs> like, like if, it would have to be to me like the the Kings calling. You're like, all right, fuck you, Sacramento. Give me Buddy Heald and an unprotected first round pick. I want the Bulls to be on the winning end of trades for the next five to ten years going forward. I want them to go full Danny Ainge, right? Like just like, like have that reputation where it's like, man, I just got robbed from the Bulls on that deal. And that's how you build winners. Like, I want them to, to get their, you know, remember, remember when the Celtics, like, missed out on the lottery? They, they had the chance to get, um, I, shit, I forget who it was. I, it wasn't Tim Duncan. It was uh, somebody after that where they had the chance to get in the lottery. And instead, they went out there and they got to pair with Paul Pierce, Kevin Garnett, and Ray Allen. Well, that's the kind of stuff that I want the Bulls to do now. I want them to go out there and, and really start fleecing some teams to, to put together a good roster. I mean, the nice thing about Karnaschovas is the, the, the trees that he comes under. Like, I'm of the proponent. I think this is probably going to be a a slow burn of sorts because he's going to want to – I think he's going to almost tear this thing down to the studs, to be completely honest with you. I think you're going to see this thing get ripped apart because this isn't the kind of team he wants. You've got a lot as, – as someone who – I'm a Kobe Sam. Joe will attest to it. I'm sure Ross will attest to it. Kobe White is – a guy I really like is Arturis Karnaschovas going to see him as anything more than a ball dominant six man who can go get his, mm-hmm. or does he see him as someone who can fit into a ball, like a ball movement system that the Denver nuggets. And you know, he's going to want to run here in Chicago. Yeah. Or, I would, uh, I would advise any bulls fan. And this goes for us too, uh, to separate be- yourself emotionally from any part of the core because any one of them or all of them could be gone yep. uh, yeah. at any point. I know like, you know, maybe Wendell Carter, projects a little bit better into what Karnaschovas likes uh, as a big man. Maybe, maybe I have no idea, but I would, I would say kind of res- remove yourself from the core because Karnaschovas, or he could keep most of the guys. We don't, we don't know, man. We really well, don't one, know. 
the big one coming up is Lowry, my guy, because you're going to have to pay him. And it's like, do you want to pay him or do you want to trade him? So I think he's the first guy that you've got to look at as kind of on the chopping block a little bit because. And you got to see if he even wants to be here. Yeah, well, he said, I, there, I, I forget who put it out there. I think it was Cap the other day. But it, it said that Lowry loves Chicago and wants to be in Chicago, but just hated the fucking coach. Which Shocker. Right. Listen, I, it's completely understandable. I get it. I think there's a lot. Of, listen, when you get a seven-footer that can shoot like that, that's, that's a premium. And but, he can put the ball on the floor. Yes, but he Sorry. hasn't lived <laughs> up to his – he hasn't lived up to to what he's supposed to be. Now, is that the coach, or is that Lowry, or is that a perfect blend of both? Right. It's, it's got to be some blend of both. Because even when for, say what you will about Hoiberg, Hoiberg at least had the guy balling. He was playing right. well. He was as a rookie, and then halfway through the second year that he was there. Hey, look, Arturus, tall white guy who's 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 European, could fall in love with another tall white guy who's who's European, right? And and. And 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 want to like just kind of like give a big hug to Lowry and say, listen, I want to turn you into a better player. Jim Boylan's a fucking moron for ruining you. Let let me let me mold you into being a better player. Let me make you Arturis 2.0. He should he should at the very least be at the level of Porzingis. Bah, poor sling dick. One hundred percent, one hundred percent. That's as we kind of get into the different names. I know Danny brought up Kobe and Ross is talking about Lowry. We talked about Levine. Like this core, it's it's talented. It's also unproven, mm-hmm. and so kind of shows his eval skills in his front office. You know, where however he builds it out, their eval skills of, in scouting of these guys. As far as what value they see here versus what they can get on the market, and in Levine's for for Levine, my worry is very rare for a guy or a player to stack on consistent skills after seven years from what we've seen now, maybe you can add a tad more playmaking here and there, but he kind of is who he is at this point. And I think that's what you have to bet on rather than hope that he turns into more of a lead guard. You can kind of playmake. his best role is give me the fucking ball and I can drop 40 on you any, at any time it's get him. If you're going to do, if you're going to do anything to accentuate his strengths, it's get him a freaking point guard who can set him up. Like, I mean, that's why we were all infatuated with Lonzo ball. That type of off-ball guy who can, you know, find ways to get Zach in a position where there's not there's not as much pressure on him. So I love Zach. I would also understand if they moved him into Ross's point, but it's got to be for more than pennies on the dollar. It's got to be at least dollar for dollar, or you know, we're talking about a buck twenty-five. You've got to get value back, and he may have value. We, I don't know what his market looks like. I have no and, idea. And you don't know how people feel about him around the league. The only thing we know about him is he's got the, one of the hardest workout regimens in the NBA. That he busts his ass when he's not in the gym, when he's not on the floor. He's constantly working out and he's a good dude. That's all we know about him. Right. I think he's I think he's basketball hermit. He works out, he shoots and he goes home. Which is which is why I think that Arturis would at least give him a chance and kind of evaluate him because the work ethic is there. The want to be better is there. To wa- the want to be coached is there. And when you have a 25-year-old who's a fringe all-star, boy, it's really tough to kind of give away those kind of players. because that kind of, at $18 million a year. Right. Though that kind of talent just doesn't grow on trees. You're, you're literally you're trying to draft that kind of talent. And at some point, you have to say, look, we, we have to 
build around these guys, right? We we've got to like acquire more talent to fit with the guys that we have. Look how look at Miami is is not a, a contending team, but that's a good basketball team who essentially just builds around Jimmy Butler, a guy that the Bulls had, right? They found their Bam, I, I am Bedejos and, and, and Tyler Harrow and stuff like that. It's like, at, at some point, the Bulls have to just be able to say, all right, we need to keep our talent that we have in-house and find a way to make them better and acquire more talent through free agency or the draft. That's a, that's a good point, too, is a, a big part of Karnaschova's uh, you know, bringing him in too. And I think a concern for us is free agency, right? Like you can, I, I want, definitely want a good evaluation. Front <laughs> office. Bless you. Uh, you know, a good scouting front office. Dan's got the all that stuff. God, uh, don't say that. COVID? <laughs> um, <laughs> at least you're in quarantine, man. Right? No, I, no, I'm not. I'm just, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Uh, but uh, where, where the hell was I going with this? This is what I'm saying. But I did, oh, I was. Um, where was I going with this? You, you got me completely off track. Oh, the free agent. Free agent I'll make sure to not sneeze again. I'm sorry for, for disrupting your train of thought. I get shook very easily, man. Uh, Central Illinois. Call me Kirk Cousins. Um, okay, Jack Sigma. But uh, free agency is a big aspect of you know this franchise moving forward, and yeah, for sure, drafting and international scouting and all that. But you're a big market, man. You should have marquee players star players that are interested in coming here and that has to be an aspect of or a fulcrum point of this front office and this rebuild and zach may have the most pull and guys may want to play with them so that has to be evaluated at all not just on court but off court and maybe who he could bring with him is he willing to recruit because it's that that's a big aspect of the landscape of the nba is who you're friends with what influence you have? Who wants to play with you? And I think that needs to be looked at with, with Zach. Oh, and, and I don't think Zach has a problem recruiting. I think the problem with recruiting to here, especially under this past regime, was who are you recruiting to come play for Jim Dan Boylan? Right. That's right. That's right. Who are you coming to recruit to come to come answer to Gar Foreman? That's right. Like John Paxson may have some pull. He's got three rings. He's built some contenders. Or some pseudo contenders, I guess we could call them, because Keith Bogans was their starting two on the best team they've had in the past 20 years. But, I mean, that's a hard sell, man, especially when you see other teams in benches laughing at you as he pulls a five-for-five five sub. <laughs> like, come on. Right, right. It, now, I think what I'm getting at with Zach, though, is it's not his fault. It's more, if you keep no. him, the pull that he could maybe have is more than Lowry at this point, is more than Kobe at this point, is more than it's right. more than anybody and, on your organization. But, but let's go back to everything now, though. You have Arturis Karnaschovas, who is well-respected around the league, who turned down two other GM offers to go somewhere else and run his own show because he wanted something bigger and better. He's now got the third largest market with the fourth most valuable team in the NBA. He's now, like, and, and this is something I want to stop want to stop. I respect Mike McGraw. I think he's a hell of a reporter. He's a good writer for the Bulls. Do not put this crap out into the world that, oh, he might let Boylan coach through next year. We have a season and a half sample size of knowing what the hell Jim Boylan is. He's worse than Fred Hoiberg with archaic principles. At least Fred had modern basketball ideas. I, yeah, guy, I, don't, bro, I don't give a shit anymore because the, the regime has changed. 
Jim Boylan is the worst coach in the NBA and might be the worst coach in the last, I don't even know how long. He is that bad, man. He, he makes is, Vinny Del Negro look competent. Joke. He's a clown. And I don't care. He, he's a clown. And <laughs> you don't keep the guy that was hired by the guys that you're replacing. Like, yeah, there's no happen. way he's saying. There's no way he's saying. Literally, I think the first thing you're going to see after Arturis fills out his front office and his scouting positions and everything is he's going to he's going to have some sort of video conference with Jim and be like, hey, you're a nice guy. No. See you later. Well, I think I, I mean, the reason why you have a new front office in place largely is because of the abomination that is Jim Boylan. Like, so, so <laughs> why would you, we should thank him. Maybe we should thank him. Yeah. So, right. So why would you ever think that, that Jim Boylan would stay through this regime? Like we wouldn't be here if it wasn't for Jim Boylan. I, I think if Fred Hoiberg was still here, this team would be marginally be marginally be better. And Pax and Gar would probably still have their jobs. Like Jim Boylan is, is the reason why the Bulls. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. So, you know, it's going to be interesting to see now. It's like, you know, they, they got the draft that they have to work through. I pray that this team gets a top three pick um, that the, the lot that the lottery gods bless our tourists and, and, and can get him a top three pick. Cause I would really love to see a guy like Weissman uh, in in a Bulls jersey. Um, the kid from from Israel is super intriguing as Denny. well. Advija, yep. I think is his name. Yeah. Yeah, and we know that uh, Arturis has a strong international connection. Um, that kid is really, really intriguing. He's only nineteen years old. Yeah, and and th- there's just so even with the higher pick, there's one thing we know about Karnashovas. Or especially looking at his draft history of where he's been had a pretty heavy hand in the room. He wants picks to multiply to picks. He wants more. So you're not going to see them selling a high second round pick for three million bucks. Uh, you're going to see them taking a player because you never know what you might have. So say they were to get, I don't know, the fourth pick and Wiseman, Lamelo, and Adija are gone. Just throwing that out there. And you can trade down with someone who has multiple picks, so you get multiple bites of the apple. You could see that, mm-hmm. especially in a draft like this where there's not really a whole lot of talent. Like, yeah. you got guys that are intriguing, but, th- 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 like, I kept hearing, like, oh, they need to tank again. This wasn't really a year to tank because there isn't John Morant. There isn't Zion. Like, Wiseman's interesting anthony edwards it's, i guess is cool it's but... one of the most interesting draft classes i think in recent memory because there's not a consensus number one guy sure. i know like anthony edwards is probably that guy now because oh honestly because he's able to stay healthy like why and he didn't drop out of school yeah like, well, got hurt. yeah cole anthony I, I his stock has fallen but he got hurt that dropped his stock a little bit you know and uh, what do you think about obi Toppin? are you are you convinced that the dayton superstar can do it at this level after playing in the mac Right. Like evaluation, and this is where uh, you know Carter shows. I think shines, man. Is we being able to weave through all the bullshit and all the clutter, and be an eval guy, and we're gonna we're gonna kind of see, um, well, what happens with that with the draft. Back to Levine real quick, um, because I kind of forgot about this. But one thing that I think Carter shows needs to to look at when he's constructing a team is. Ball movement's great. You know, how the Spurs play is great. How the, how the Warriors play is great. 
but those teams had 1A options or have 1A options. On Denver, Jamal Murray is a really good player. Gary Harris is a really good player. In Game 7, when they went up against C.J. McCollum and Damian Lillard last year against the Blazers, the Blazers won because McCollum dropped 45 on their head and Murray and Harris did jack shit. Jokic played really well. You have to have dudes who can get buckets. Levine can get buckets. He can break your offense. That's as frustrating he is. Nikola Jokic to you, my friend. Well, yeah, I, I would. I think in 2023, man, he's coming here. That's, I <laughs> think there's a good chance, right? Uh, but you got to have you got to have dudes who can get a bucket, man. And, and Harris and Murray, as as good as they are, that's the reason why they lost Game Seven. And that's maybe a, an unfair eval thing on my end to to look at one game. But it's more the example of a backcourt that can, you know, multiply and um, score is a difference maker. As good as Jokic is, if you don't have an elite backcourt in the NBA nowadays and in basketball, period, man, like it's going to be harder for you to compete for, for a title. I don't know if you guys would agree with that, but that just stuck in my head. Like Levine is that guy. Levine is one of the most talented scorers in the league. That has to be stacked against his value and against his future with the team, against what Karnaschovas likes in a player. Like, there's a lot of clutter he's got to weave through and to balance out to see, you know, Levine's a, a fit here. But um, that's one thing that stuck out in my head a little bit. Yeah, you, you know, what do you what do you guys think? What what is what's the kind of the the vision here going forward? What happens in the immediate future, and then what happens within the next twelve months? going to see the rest of the front office gm and the one other agm or two other agm roles filled and then you're going to see the the names nobody knows like oh an assistant to the director of advanced analytics and it's just some dude from mit who you've never heard of before but he's insanely smart he's let's like go jonah, real quick like the jonah hill character in um in um moneyball moneyball which yeah. is a fucking great and sports then, movie. And then you'll, I think you'll probably see by years, by league year end, Boylan's gone, and they'll have some new coach and a whole new set of assistants too. So we're gonna like we're gonna start taping every week, and we're probably gonna talk more about maybe the head coaching search once the um, the front office is in place and and roster moves closer to when the new league year starts, or if it starts back up again, we can start evaluating um, the team and 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 Karnaschovas's like image or vision, I guess you could say. But like for now, I think GM is at the top of a lot of people's minds. Mm-hmm. Um, what, who do you want? Like based off the name. So we've got Calvin Booth, who's uh, the assistant GM in Denver. And it's likely that he's going to take over as GM in Denver. He's going to be promoted. We have Mark Hughes, right? From the Clippers, who I think is high on all of our lists. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mark, um, Mark Eversley is the VP of uh, player personnel, I think. Um, well, he's VP of some kind in Philly. Um, then you've got Matt Lloyd from Orlando. I think of the four names uh, right now that are being floated around. Where do you guys sit and who do you like? Just make a prediction. Who do you guys want right now? Or what do you think Karnashova should be looking for in a GM and who he's hiring? Um, go ahead, Ross. I mean, I've got my thoughts, but I, I'm interested to kind of hear what someone else says first. I, you know, I like the guy a lot from the, from the Clippers. Um, just because I, I like what they've done as an organization in put in piecing together that roster, even before they got Kawhi Leonard, I think it's um, it's really smart when you can get a guy who comes kind of from that Jerry West tree a little bit um, that the Clippers have, have ran there, and also Doc Rivers is a very smart basketball mind. 
Um, you know, I, I know Matt Lloyd has some Chicago ties and, and, um, and, and is, uh, is high up on the list. I'm not crazy. You know, he was the director of, uh, of college scouting for the Bulls from 2008 to 2009. But I'm not crazy about what Orlando has done. Um, down there, I don't think Jonathan Isaac has turned out to be, you know, the player that they thought. I don't know if Mo Bamba is the player that they thought. I do love oh. Aaron. I do love Aaron Gordon. Uh, I'm an Aaron Gordon guy. That's like my second man crush after Bradley Beal. But, um, you know, I, I think at, at the end of the day, um, I I trust and value Arturis's uh, approach and opinion on who he would want. Um, so if it is a guy like Matt Lloyd and I'm like, ah, I don't know, I don't want that guy. I still trust that, that, you know, that's the right decision, uh, going forward. It's kind of like how I trust, um, Matt Nagy right now, as he builds his coaching staff with Juan Castillo and, and Bill Lazor and, and, you know, the other names that the bears have brought in. I'm kind of right there with you, Ross Hughes is the guy I really am kind of intrigued with because of you know, the Jerry West connection, Doc River connection. And one thing I would like to make clear is with this hire is they need to find someone who can resonate with players. Someone that, yeah, maybe Zach Levine can get you some, sitting down with someone, can get someone in the room for you because he likes Zach Levine and is like, you know what, maybe I'll go see what these guys have to talk about. Arturis is not a recruiter. He's a, he's a, he's a scout. That's mm-hmm. what he does. I mean, the famous line from, I think it was Stephen Noe's piece that he put out on Patreon was, there's not a gym that he can walk into in the world where someone doesn't know who he is. Because he's got Except that. Jim Boylan. Except for Jim Boylan. Yeah, Jim Boylan, who's the tall guy? But um, you, I think he needs someone who can resonate with players. I think Hughes being from the Doc Rivers tree or or the Doc, or that kind of cut, someone who can almost be a salesman for you matters you're you're not buying the team you're not buying playing with somebody you're buying a fit like so if you can't get even the sit down like the bulls have had trouble with unless it was an aging Dwayne wade or carlos boozer or Paul gasol like what's the point you're chicago so someone like him matters. And then the other name that I know it hasn't been brought up, but I'm really intrigued with because of the kind of – we know that Karnaschov has got to start under Maury. There's a guy – so there's Gerson Rosas who now runs basketball in Minnesota. He's got an assistant manager named Joe Branch, an assistant GM. He was part of, I think, Rock Nation Sports as a man or as a agent for a while. And this is becoming the more in vogue thing where you find a guy who is a power broker representing players and now you make him in charge because player relationships matter. I think if you were to hire this guy potentially as someone who represented big names for Rock Nation Sports, you know, he's got the Jay-Z ties. He's been an agent. He's now running, helping run basketball ops under a guy that he's familiar with, that, that Karnaschovas is familiar with in Rosas with the Timberwolves. I think that's a name that I would like to hear. I'm not saying it's been floated or anything. It's just an idea I've heard, and I like his kind of background and that he's a younger guy. 
That's good. So, yeah, I, yeah, I really like that too, and that's the idea that I think a lot of us had in mind. And we'll wrap this this podcast up in the next couple of minutes, but kind of finishing on what Ross and and Dan, uh, and Dan were saying, those connections, teams like you saw what Spencer Dinwiddie was pitching his GM like blueprint on Twitter after Karnaschovas was hired. Pat Beverly has spoke up about you know how awesome it is for Chicago. Uh, Dwayne Wade was saying, you know, Adam Simon's a guy you should look at. When have you ever seen players outwardly vouch for the Bulls in the last 15 years like this? They know. They know the change is being made. Like, the eyes are on Chicago. And you want to play into that. You want to have a basketball operation, man. I want to have, like, a Spurs-Warriors heat-level basketball operation. I also want to have that Riley aspect, man, that you can get in and you can not only just sell – a player, but you can influence them in coming here. And that's the, the operation the Bulls need to be running is having a basketball side and having that marketing side too. It's huge. And if you can combine those two, you're looking at a juggernaut. You honestly are. And you should be playing into that because of the, the massive market and the brand that you have here. If you're not thinking about that, it, w- it would bother me a little bit, you know, and because I think it's something that's an untapped, you know, resource for, for Karnaschovas. For, so for me, Hughes is interesting and not just because of the Clippers, I know people will look at his, you know, New York days as a failure, but it's the fact that he's worked in two major markets. He's worked in New York. He's worked in L.A. He was part of the free agency pitch for Kawhi Leonard. He was part of the brain trust that went out and got Paul George. So he's been in those meetings before. He's been a part of an aggressive plan in the big market. And I think that matters. I like I like Joe Brandt. I have no idea what Dan's doing over there. Right he's now. like playing jacks or something. <laughs> Are you playing jacks? Um, you don't know my life. Uh, <laughs> I, you know, my, my, I, I completely agree with you, Joel. The kind of my last point was, is I think the, I think the, the Chicago having the all-star game this past February was a gift because it, it, it put the bulls on in a spotlight that they needed to make some serious changes, but it also put the city of Chicago in a spotlight where Chicago crushed the all-star game. Like they did an amazing job hosting it. The passion of the city and the fans came out, and I the think a lot of, I think a lot of players around the league saw that. I think a lot of um, of NBA people saw that. You know, you saw celebrities here. It was just the the energy and the vibe was crazy, and I think a lot of people were like, "Man, we're really sleeping on Chicago as a as a basketball city, and how great the city is, and how great the city is to to kind of uh, to to play on that large scale." I mean, there's you know, Common is out there rapping. You know, different intros Chance. for players. Chances here. It, it was it was just unreal. So I, I think it, it kind of put Chicago back on the map from a basketball standpoint, and I think that's only going to help them going forward. Now they get the you know now they have to act like you know the big boys that they are and and kind of play in the play in the big pool and and go out there and and start locking some guys in. One hundred percent, Ross. And that's kind of I'm glad you brought up the All Star Game because. You got to see what Chicago can do when they truly represent the city. And, and we're the, now screw New York, man. We're the basketball mecca. It means, it means more here. It honestly does. And players even took notice about that. They're like, wow, Chicago, we had no idea. Are you still playing, Jax? What the hell are you doing? <laughs> A hanger broke, and I keep putting the broken hanger next to me, and it keeps it falling. It keeps falling. Jeez. Uh, struggle bus, man. Um, it but is, no, it's, and I'm not even hungover. This is bad. It's almost a perfect time for Michael to to kind of pitch, you know, his, his vision and his plan. 
And this is what Chicago, this is what it could be here. Yeah, no shit. We all know that. We just didn't have a, a front office and operation that could leverage that and tap into it. That's what's driving us nuts. So, um, yeah. you guys want to wrap this? Let's, let's wrap, wrap it. it. All right. So, this has been, let's call it episode one, man, of the three alphas. A rebrand, not even a rebrand, but we're just like, we came out of retirement. We are uh, some incarnation there. <laughs> um, and uh, I promise to not be playing Jax anymore. Please don't play Jax. I'll, I'll play, uh, I can play Jenga. I'll have a Jenga thing next time. Yeah. yeah. I'll start dribbling my basketball that's under my right foot right now. It's okay. Uh, we'll, we'll be coming at you, you know, once or, or twice a week from here on out. Uh, our next episode will hopefully, I would ideally be about more front office positions being filled and the GM spot being fl- filled because I think those are going to be the focus. And in a perfect world, itself. Jim Boylan being unemployed. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Um, but we're excited to be back with you guys. We're going to have a blast with this as we get things started up again. And um, I, I truly believe, you know, it's no disrespect to any other podcast out there, but I think we're going to uh, bring a fresh perspective with some different ideas and different perspectives. And we're going to bring the energy to you. And you can, I think you could, the energy here is palpable. And I think the energy with us is going to filter out to the fans once they actually see what's going on and they see like the changes that are made. Uh, it's going to get everybody fired up. It's like a lightning rod, man. And uh, we're, we're, we are jacked up. Yeah, you get that? You like that nice little pun there because you're playing Jack? Oh, God. Yep. Just, you need to stop that. Okay, Go stop home. Dude, ask your mom to make you a grilled cheese sandwich while you're at home, all right? No one makes it like mom. Dude, she's making spaghetti tonight. I'm actually, like, I live in Chicago, but I'm visiting my parents in, in Bloomington during the quarantine. And uh, my mom can cook. It's awesome being home. Oh, I feel like I'm back in like, college and high school uh, with home-cooked meals every every night. So, um, yeah, we're. I don't know about you guys, but I'm fired up to have this thing started back up again. And bull, the Bulls, hopefully... And we'll see. Karnashova still has to prove himself, too. And I think we're going to be critical of him. We're going to be honest and objective with him. But for now, let's bask in the excitement, man, that we've got a modern basketball operation. And it's it's weird. It's it's kind of strange to think about, too. Great. All right, boys. Until next time, we are the three alphas. I forget who the hell we called ourselves. I don't know if I was Wade, Rondo, or, or Butler. I don't you know. know if what? what? We're the new alphas. We're Kobe and Zach and Lowry. How about that? <laughs> fine, Joe. Look at me in that tone of voice again. Whatever. Now you're scout Rainey. How about that? Nope. Not every redhead is the same. But <laughs> Just like all whiskey is all bourbon is whiskey, but not all whiskey is bourbon. (laughs) And on that note, uh, till next time, catch y'all later. The inbound pass comes into Jordan. Here's Michael at the foul line. A shot on Elo. Good! The Bulls win! They win it! Michael Jordan hits it at the foul line. One to one hundred. Lead pass. Pass deflected, stolen by Noah. Noah on the wrong way. Noah with the right hand and dunk. Counted the foul. I don't believe what I just saw. Here comes Chicago. 17 seconds. 17 seconds from game seven or from championship number six. Jordan. Open. Chicago with the lead. 
Chicago Bulls have won their sixth NBA championship 